Moncrief on News Talk. Can I have a Can I have a really selfish moment? Um, was I trying to be quick because I realised this was going to end soon? So that's why I want to say something. Is there anyone here that else that thinks I or is version towards I am or amant? I would like to hear maybe more towards the I amant. What's happening? What's happening? Oh, sorry, sorry. sorry. So, is there anyone? Here to clarify for me that thinks that I am not. See, you've just called. You, you've just called the whole room out to just talk about you. It's because I know. I, that's why I said I was going to be selfish because right now. Yeah. I have zero what's to write that on. Do, what's that going to do? What's that going to do? What's that going to do? Why write on there? Because I have zero to write on here. Yeah, so if I find out, I know the conversation. I know the conversations I've had. So, so I, if, if I want to know people's opinions. <laughs> if it was a bit deflected, dude. <sighs> no. Because I. The time for talk is over. I need you all to write the name of the person you believe is a traitor on your board, please. That's the second series of The Traitors. It's on Wednesdays, Thursdays and Fridays on BBC One at 9pm. James Dempsey joins us once again. Afternoon, James. Afternoon, Sean. This seems uh, this series seems to be even getting more buzz than the first series does, I suppose, <laughs> because it built up a certain amount of anticipation. And also because they waited like a full year to come back as well, which is often not the case when there's these kind of reality formats and you can just sort of put them together fairly quick. But like in fairness, it's going through its its moment. And uh, congratulations to its its Dutch creator, a man named Mark Post, who uh, whose only other big credit that I could figure out was um, he was a producer on the European or on the Eurovision Song Contest in 2021 when it was in the Netherlands. And he came up with this format for for Dutch television, RTL, I think is their main channel. And um, it's basically if people are familiar with the, you know, the parlor game Mafia or sometimes like uh, like Wolf or something like that. Um, it's, it's a version of that. So they gather 20 people. Uh, Claudia Winkleman uh, from behind her fringe uh, goes around and taps three of them on the shoulder, in this case, actually four of them ultimately, and says, you're the baddies, you're the traitors. And it is your job to, you know, sow dissent amongst everyone else and habitually murder them every evening. And it's up to everyone else to figure out who the traitors is. And they kind of, the hook is that if by the end, they get to the end, um, there's a roughly 100, I think it's 150 grand uh, prize packet, which they have to build up through various challenges throughout the weeks as well. But there's, you know, there's money going. And if there are any traitors left in the final group, the traitors will run away with all of the money. And if there are not, whoever is left of who are known as the faithful will divide it evenly amongst them. Right. Okay. And and it seems to be a kind of show where it's not pretending to be classy at all or it's spelling <laughs> classy with a capital K, you know. <laughs> yeah, this is what I would describe. And I mean this very positively as premium trash, right? Mm. And by that I mean is... Like, listen, you know, the Golden Globes were last night and, okay, like Succession was richly rewarded and as was Beef, all these weighty, lofty, well-made, handsome dramas. But sometimes you just want chewing gum, you know, right? And like, this is what that is. Like I was sort of describing it, I was talking about it to a friend over the weekend and I was like, it's edited like... You know, I get ads on my Instagram for mobile games on on online, and like it looks like that. I mean, it is all extremely camp. It's set in the this castle in the Highlands, and there's wild animals roaming, and you know, torches lit, and they they wear these kind of gowns over their head. Uh, it all looks a little bit eyes wide shut, but PG, right? And then basically, um, like it's very, 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 very camp. 
And the gameplay is ultimately exceptionally easy to make in the sense that they get, get people to gather around a table and then they just start hurling, you know, accusations at each other, which makes for very riveting and interesting television. And kind of what I think the BBC deserves credit for is, you know, we as the viewer here are like omniscient, right? We know who the traitors are. We know who the faithful are. So there is a court, like, it's not inherently, you know, there isn't as much dramatic tension for us because we know who the bodies are. The, the kind of tension is, will they get... Uh, you know, will they get sniffed out, right? But what the BBC uh, does extremely well in this is edit it in a like um, in a very teasing and cliffhanging way. In the sense that you know, last uh, last Friday's episode ended with a big, big, big cliffhanger of who was going to be banished from the round table. You know, is it going to be X, Y, or Z? And it is actually <laughs> very compelling to find out who it is because. We as an audience know that if it is X, we'll say that this is going to create great problems to the traitors and so on and so forth. So it's edited in a very playful and understanding style of how to just amp up the kind of camp silliness going on here. Mm. And the, the, the casting is always important, no matter what kind of reality television it is. What Maybe this is too general a question. What kind of people are they trying to get? <laughs> Uh, uh, you know, are, 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 is your optimum traitors a contestant yeah. in the sense that many other f- similar, similar formats, yeah. you're looking I mean, for narcissists with no self-awareness yeah. whatsoever. I mean, like Love Island is just the traitors with with like swimwear, you know, like it's, it's people <laughs> like it's people backstabbing each other and forming alliances as well. Right. So here we get, I guess, a very rounded group in terms of age and socioeconomic backgrounds. Some of them have a couple of sob stories here and there, which is all, you know, part and parcel of the reality TV package. But they are like, as far as I can tell, they're not, you know, they're not like social media darlings like I would have reviewed a couple of weeks ago the the Squid Games uh, reality TV show, and a lot of those were like social media um, influencer aspirant mm. type people, and that doesn't seem to be the case here. Certainly, nobody is anyone of the cast of Twenty I recognize. In different countries around the world, they take slightly different approaches. So there's a US version, and in that, uh, in, it's coming back for its second season. Alan Cumming, the Scottish actor, he hosts that one. In the first one, they split it kind of fifty fifty between celebrities and normal everyday people. Now, by celebrities, I mean people from the Bravo universe. And they they are celebrities, but that is like Real Housewives and, you know, Drag Race mm. contestants, alumni. Like not, you know, it's not going to be uh, people who are walking the red carpet at the Golden Globes, put it that way, right? But like the, for the second season, they have axed all of the normal people altogether and they are just going celebs, 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 celebs. In the Australian version, I think it's kind of a mixture or it, it, it's normal everyday folk. But like this is a huge success for this man, Mark Posse. He must be making a fortune because there are now 20 international versions of this and it looks like a very relatively cost-effective show for any production company to produce because ultimately you need people in a round table and you hope that they work their magic. Right, we'll move on to our next show. It is called Based on a True Story. You can stream all episodes on Skymax or on Now TV. Here's a clip. He moved to Los Angeles because someone got attacked in his apartment building. In his building in, his in Pomona? Oh my God, please. Okay, what else, what else, what else? When was that? I mean, I think it was like... Two years ago. Two years ago. Uh, okay. Search Unsolved Murders, Pomona Apartment Building, 2021. Okay. 24 murders? What the f is up with Pomona? We gotta narrow down our suspects here. Like, like this one. 
Murder her in an apartment building, 242 Work Street, where police found the victim, Nicole Gibson, stabbed it. That is the girl from Timon. Type in the address. That is just... Do bird's eye. Okay. Because he said that his apartment building was next to some tennis courts. Okay. Bird's eye. Yeah. Tennis courts. You mean those tennis courts? Oh, my God. It is him. I know. He killed this girl in Pomona, and now he's here. It's the West Side Ripper. I see didn't find me attractive enough to kill, but whatever. Oh, whatever. really? Really? I'm just saying. I'm sure there'll be other serial killers that find you hot enough to kill. Just... Right, so this is uh, Kaylee. Is it Kuku? Is that how you pronounce this name? <laughs> Kuoko. Kuo- oh, gosh. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that, it seems to require more letters than it's actually in her name. But uh, how, how does this compare to the flight attendant? You know what? She's on very similar ground as that, right? And I think that Kaylee Coco is, she's like... Despite still being a relatively young woman, she's like a seasoned veteran, right? She she cut her teeth first on like a Disney sitcom, went from that to, uh, you know, Bazinga bank account with, um, you know, with a major sitcom that ran for like 10 years. Uh, and then now she has kind of branched out into more interesting work, but she's still sort of, um, she's still kind of, not that she can't escape, she still understands that her skill lies in this very deft, easy comedy. And this is anything but a deft, easy comedy, but she is kind of the highlight of it. So it stars her and Chris Messina, who people will know from the Mindy Project and uh, various other things. And they play a couple, uh, Ava and Nathan. He's a former tennis pro who injured out of the sport, and she's a former realtor, or a current realtor, real estate agent, uh, who's heavily pregnant. They're down on their luck. They need a break. And she's obsessed with true crime podcasts. And what enters into their life is potential to unmask a like an active serial killer. He's known as the West Side Ripper. And basically, she does, she and her she convinces her she convinces her husband very early on that instead of turning in the person they think is a suspect, they should instead launch their own podcast and uh, sort of basically blackmail the murderer into submitting him or herself for interviews. I won't go into who the murderer is, although you find out at least early on who they're telling you it is. And the show is kind of obviously got themes of only murders in the building, which is, of course, about a podcast about true crime and murders Mm. in a specific building. But this is kind of a mixed bag, right? I have to admit the kind of chemistry and and fun between Kaylee Cuoco and Chris Messina is brilliant. That clip, I think, is a very good example of the kind of easy banter they have. They're very, they work extremely well together. They are both sitcom veterans, so they understand how to kind of wring everything out of a fairly okay script. Where it falls down is sort of everywhere else. You know, the murderer, when the murderer is revealed, is not that interesting and very one note. And kind of, like the show is sort of, camp, but not camp enough, if you get me. Like, it could take a leaf out of the trader's book in understanding how, like, to get the story it wants to tell. It has a great run in the middle where they go to this Las Vegas-based uh, kind of true crime conference, and they're kind of running around trying to figure out how to get their podcast off the ground while, you know, the murderer is sort of trying to decide whether or not they want to do some murdering. But then the back half of the season gets kind of a bit boring, and it sort of loses steam, and they have a number of friends who are barely flesh out before well surprise surprise there's a serial killer on the loose so some serial killing might go along uh, might come along as well and all in it kind of is like i just wanted it to be so much better like it begins to ask these kind of questions later on about you know we're releasing this uh, podcast where we're speaking with a murderer and what are the moral gray areas of that etc cetera, etc cetera. 
But it sort of asks these questions really superficially and then it goes, ah, no, we'll just bring in a subplot involving a fantasy sequence with a dog. And it's sort of just like, ugh, I, I just wanted it to be a, a lot kind of more probing than it actually turned out to be. Now, mm. that said, I found it very fun and easy to watch. It's half hours, which God knows I love. And they zip along at a very, very fast pace. And you will not be bored by any means watching this. But was I surprised to see it was greenlit for season two already? Yeah, I have to admit, I kind of was. Oh, gosh. Does it depend too much on Kaylee Coco? Because if you were to be really cruel, doesn't she play essentially the same person everything she appears in? <laughs> she definitely, like, if, if you told me this was, you know, her, her flight attendant grounded for a while and exploring <laughs> exploring <laughs> yeah. a, a different, you know, different lifestyle, I'd be going, yeah, that makes, that lines up perfectly. She is, yeah, look, she knows how to do what she does and she does what she does very, 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 very well. The only kind of saving grace for this in me are, is her and Chris Messina, who both are veterans at this and just can sell every single scene that they're in, regardless of who it is with. But as a whole package, you know, uh, like, yeah, it just doesn't quite add up to what I wanted it to be. Yeah. Right. Our third show today is Reacher. New episodes of season two every Friday on Amazon Prime Video. Here's a clip. I'll take the 17, two 19s, that Beretta, and three burners. Just so you know, once you apply for your permit, there's a seven-day waiting period before you can purchase a firearm. You can only buy one in a 30-day window, but I can hold them for you. That's a lot of hoops. More hoops in the NBA. Rules say you can lend these firearms to a friend, which, as you know, is one of the conditions for legal temporary transfer under New Jersey law. Nice to meet you, friend. I'm Joe Gordon. Frank Majeski, pleasure's mine. And you must know that a legal temporary transfer between family and friends can only be used for sporting purposes. So I assume you're going to be target shooting or hunting. A combination of both. Well, law also necessitates the firearms be back within an eight-hour period. Every moment in time exists within an eight-hour period. I'm sure you're aware that uh, transferred firearms can only be used in the presence and supervision of the legal owner, and that would be me. How about you be with me in spirit, Frank? Right, so uh, that's Reacher. I've just cancelled my subscription to Amazon <laughs> Prime Video. Uh, is this the bit where you tell me I've made a terrible mistake, James? Yes and no, right? The thing about Reacher is it is a very, very silly action drama show. But I can't deny that I like it despite, it, despite its silliness. So it is part of the Reacher empire. And by that, I mean, uh, you know, the publisher or the writer, in, or Lee Child rather, has written one of these Reacher books every single year since 1997. So there's almost 30 of them at this point. Right. And and he has sold more than 100 million copies. So, like, if you're Amazon and you're looking for intellectual property and you have, you know, you, you can just look, open up your Kindle spreadsheet there and see that every year X million number of people buy these books, you probably think, yeah, we'll invest a bit of money in that. And season one came out roughly a year ago and was, I think, quite a surprise hit in the sense that nobody expected it to be good and it was very, very, very watchable. Now, by that, I also say, I'm not saying it's good, <laughs> but it is extremely watchable. It's um, So it's about this guy named Jack Reacher. He's played by this absolutely, you know, muscle-bound uh, guy named Alan Richardson. Uh, he, Jack Reacher is a kind of, uh, what is he? He Like, he's... he's <laughs> He's a former military investigator slash genius slash uh, able to kill you with his little finger and then also shoot you, you know, bent over. And like he's just he's he's an action star. Put it mm, that way, yeah. right? 
And in the first season, he was dropped off in small town America in a case involving his brother. The season, each season, I believe, will be completely sort of standalone, right? So really what happened in season one is irrelevant because season two jumps forward 11 books and completely ignores everything in the middle. Season two is all about him reconnecting with his former unit of army investigators. He was he was a military policeman. So he, it's a mixture between kind of detective show plus um, national security plus army plus shooting plus whatever. And what is kind of bizarre about it is how well it works despite the fact that Jack Reacher is this completely one-note character. And by one note, I mean ask pun- punch first, ask questions later. <laughs> he, will, he will drop these like silly puns, he, I mean, the violence is absolutely sometimes incredibly violent and the fight scenes are really well choreographed and brutal looking. And it's all sort of tied together by this actor, Alan Richson, who has the physical, I, I, you know, the, he has the metal to kind of pull it off. He's this big hulking man who goes around. His, his performance is completely and utterly one note. But it's the right note. <laughs> like, so, so, so all in, I just find it very enjoyable. It is completely and utterly mindless. I mean, by that I mean, they, you know, there's this mystery unfolding, and they will explain in laborious detail how they figure out every twist and turn, how Jack, you know, how Jack will solve the next clue to move on to the next one and the next one and the next one. But all in, despite the fact that I can find no reason why I like it, I find it very, very, very watchable. Okay, fair enough. Wasn't there a film version with Tom Cruise? There was a film version, and the whole thing is Jack Reacher is supposed to be this like six foot five, absolutely gigantic guy. And I think the the Tom Cruise film was well received for what it was, but it didn't start the franchise that they were hoping it would. Yeah. Okay. And so obviously this is uh, this is the one uh, they're exploiting. Uh, uh, God, though. And how many books? Uh, uh, So. Yeah, I, so one a year since 1997. Okay, yeah, so do the maths. Do that, that quick maths. Okay, that'll keep, <laughs> keep going for quite some time. That doesn't lure me back to Amazon Prime, though, uh, I must say, James. Uh, those, those three shows are The Traitors. at Wednesdays, Thursdays and Fridays on BBC One at 9pm. Based on a true story, you can stream all episodes now on Sky Max or Now TV or Reacher. That's new episodes of Season 2 every Friday on Amazon Prime Video. James Dempsey, thanks a million. Thank you. Moncrief, weekdays at 2 p.m. on News Talk.